Hello and welcome to Nerd vs. World, episode 56, Saturday Nerd Fever. I'm Brendan. I'm Spindles. And on today's show, we will be squeeing over the awesomeness that was Jessica Jones. <laughs> Ooh, yes. We will be discussing that episode of Doctor Who. Mm -hmm. uh, some reaction to the recently released Civil War trailer. And then I've been to the cinema recently and I saw Hunger Games, Mockingjay Part 2 and Steve Jobs. So we'll talk about those as well. Cool. So... Where do you want to start? Should well, just... dive in with Jessica Jones, yeah. dude, because it was just fucking it was just amazing. Awesome. <laughs> so how long did it take you to binge watch the entire series? Uh, well, we, we started Friday night, uh, did in the first three episodes, I think, on Friday night, uh, did eight on Saturday and then left the last two until Sunday morning. So we watched the last two then. And so, yeah, best part of, what, 36 hours, something like that. We got through it all. A weekend well spent. Oh, oh hell yes. Yeah. But that's also while we were, we, Megan started binge watching Supernatural from the start as well. So oh, awesome. we've been going through that with her as well. So we did about five or six episodes of that on the Saturday as well. Wow, that's a commitment. Mm. Is she ready for it? Like there's eleven seasons of Supernatural yeah. to binge watch now. Yeah. But anyway, yeah, no Supernatural. Jessica Jones. Yes, Jessica Jones. So you've read the comics. I have. I thought it was pretty much a perfect TV series from the point of view of someone who hasn't read the comics. Mm -hmm. How does it translate for you? There was a lot of differences, um, but I, I can't say I have a problem with any of them. Uh, I was very, very happy with the way they did it. I think they they made her a bit more kind of dour than I was expecting uh, as a character, but I think it worked. Yeah. Um, I, yeah, I'm really, really impressed. I think she was absolutely fantastic as the character. I, 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 I was... It's the kind of series where I was halfway between kind of being all, all all wrapped up in it and then just bursting into hysterics at some of the random uh, the, the random lines that she had that were just brilliant. Yeah, so a few nods of the heads to other franchises, mm. like "What Doesn't Kill You Makes You Stranger" yes. from uh, Dark Knight. Yeah, yeah. Um, and uh, there's, a, there's a Star Wars reference in there as well, but it's a Kilgrave line mm. when she's trying to make him be the good guy. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. And there was a whole bunch, of, it, it, but some of the just normal lines that she came out with. One of the ones I think that got me was, uh, "If you don't, if you, if you don't stop that, I'm going to pull your pants out through your eyes." <laughs> I thought it was a genius line. I don't care what freaky shit you get up to, just do it quietly. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, I thought it was absolutely amazing. And again, I think what they, what they've done is what they did similarly with Daredevil, which is try and actually make. Kilgrave a bit of uh, try and actually make you feel for him a bit throughout it as well so you're not always just hating him as a character yeah it wasn't quite as successful as it was with Kingpin no I don't think because because he's just so offhandly yeah. psychotic I think Kilgrave is straight up probably the most evil villain we've encountered so far in the cinematic universe yeah you know he, he was just evil yeah but yeah there was that one episode where his backstory is revealed a, a, a little bit more and you do start 
seeing the grey mm. in the black and whiteness yeah, of it all. They try to give a little sympathetic edge to it, but... It's I, just really hard with that character. It, yeah, yeah, utterly. Uh, but the thing that I love about him is the way he is just so offhandedly evil as well, and how, how he uses his powers... Not in, not in a kind of look at me type of way. It's just like when Luke Cage was running up to him and, and gonna beat the shit out of him, and he's just like, "Stop! Right, get in the car! Come on!" And, and it's just it's conversational. Yeah. And then the other side of that is the brutality of it when he's escaping from the the sealed room. Mm. And he's just like, "Put a bullet in your skull. Yeah. Follow me." Yeah. And he just like pulls his thumb out as he's yeah. escaping the handcuffs. Yeah, it was just so brutal. Yeah. But it made it a very different type of story, mm. from my point of view. Um, there was no quest to save the city, no quest to save the world. There was no, there was no sort of plot where he was looking for world domination, and the hero had to stop him. It was no. very much personal. It was, it was a character-driven story, a, yeah, yeah, and a much smaller personal heroism story, mm. which I thought was fascinating, and I think it handled the seriousness of the issues mm. intelligently and sensitively in a way that has perhaps been missing from genre TV over the last year. Mm. I'm thinking Game of Thrones and Sansa yeah. again. Yeah, yeah. You know. yeah. um, they didn't need to be explicit with showing any of the actual assaults. No. But dealing with the aftermath and the way they did was was really well handled. Very much so. And it made the entire show about control. That was the overarching theme of the entire series. Like control and consent, I yeah. think, is the... Yeah. I mean, whether it was paternal control or sibling control or, like, the law, every character was being controlled by something else in their life. And it was finding that balance. But, yeah, I thought it was impeccably well done. It took a little longer to hook me than Daredevil did, I'm not going to lie. Daredevil hooked me by the end of season episode two with mm. that fight sequence. Uh, this took like like five episodes to hook me, mm. but once it had me hooked, it just I couldn't yeah. stop. I think it was it. when Kilgrave finally properly appeared that that was when it kind of really yeah. came into its own. Because I, I mean, David Tennant was fabulous. Yeah, I think if anything, like this is the role that might remove him as the Doctor in yeah. those people's minds. Yeah, oh, I think so. From now on, oh yeah, David Tennant, he was Kilgrave. Yeah. Not he was the Doctor. Um, but you forget what a wonderful actor he is. Mm. I thought he was incredible. I thought the entire cast was really well cast. And uh, Christian Ritter, as Jessica Jones, carried it Yeah. well. You know, They might be dragging their feet getting to a feature film, Um female superhero but they've knocked out of the park in terms of TV absolutely yeah and in a way I'm kind of happier that they've done it like this than, than as a uh, you know as a film because yeah. that would have been a, a two hour film that would have had to have done justice to everything whereas this is like 13 hours of TV that's told an utterly fabulous story yeah. and linked it all in with the various different other Hell's Kitchen and the wider MCU yeah and also set things in place for Iron Fist as well yep for Ivis and Defenders, I'm guessing, because yeah. I'm guessing that the the organisation that the the one that's paid for all of Jessica Jones's bills and everything, or IGH, yeah, yeah, I'm guessing that they're going to be the kind of the major uh, antagonists in the, the Defenders series. I would have thought. Yeah, cause she does say I think at one point in reference to it, she says uh, only one big bad at a time. Yeah, and then 
when she's asked by Luke Cage to take on the case, she gives the name of another PI mm. who is White Tiger. Right. So that's another tie in there. Yeah. And then there's also, the, I imagine, the cop's going to come back again. As... Oh, well, the cop is Nuke. Right, okay. But they've changed his first name for this. But yeah, they think that's the reckoning is the Nuke because he has the whole um, red pill, blue yeah. pill, white pill thing. So that's a, a Frank Miller created character mm. for Daredevil. Um, I'm fairly sure we'll see him again. Oh, oh yeah. He's one of those uh, experiments to try and emulate the super ser- soldier yeah. serum thing that's just gone wrong. So, but I thought he was an excellent character. Yeah, his his storyline throughout the series I thought was brilliant. Yeah, and it was. I didn't see, I didn't see him going that deep. No. You know what I mean? Like I just thought of him as being Kilgrave to try and kill Trish, and then like fulfilled like sort of the tag along role. Yeah, but then his role just developed. I think every character had their role developed pretty well. Apart from maybe Hogarth, mm. the lawyer. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So she'll be back, or well, she should be back at any rate, because um, she's the MCU equivalent of Iron Fist's mm. lawyer for her, well, Heroes for Hire's lawyer. Yeah. So hopefully she comes back. Hopefully this is like the thing that shifts her sort of moral compass, so yeah. to speak. But we'll see that hopefully in a couple of years. Because obviously it's Daredevil season two next. And I think something that was was noted on Den of Geek, I think, which is very interesting, was um, obviously we have the Punisher coming in for yep. season two, um, and there's the scene where Kilgrave rescues the family mm-hmm. under Jessica's sort of control, and he's got them all out, and he says, "Put the gun in your mouth," and he's about to kill him, and his logic is that someone who would take his family hostage is of no use to this world and has mm-hmm. no place in it. Yeah. Uh, and this guy for Den of Geek points out that actually that's very Punisher-style logic. Yeah, it is, yeah. So like when you're rooting for the Punisher in Daredevil Season 2, remember that Kilgrave would approve yeah. is, the, <laughs> is the line that this, this uh, writer goes with. I'm like, well, that's shit. That's a very good point. Because mm. we're going to be... A lot of people will be rooting for the Punisher in Daredevil Season 2 just because he's so iconic. Yeah. Um. So standout scenes from Jessica Jones for you then? Uh, one of mine was the the scene where the uh, the, the couple tried to entrap Jessica uh, and try to hold her responsible for New York. I thought that was a really really powerful scene. I got ninety nine friends. Yeah. Yeah. Just when she's smashing the entire room, she doesn't hurt them once, and she's just like, "I don't take my shit out on people." Yeah, yeah. I, I thought that was a wonderful speech, and I thought that was it, it was completely away from the rest of the plot. It was just it, it seemed to come out of nowhere and then just vanished again. But I'm really glad it was there because it gave the character an opportunity to basically have a massive rant about stuff, and I thought it was utterly brilliant. Yeah. Um, for me, the scene that made me go what the fuck, was when Kilgrave's mother and father are in that room with him mm-hmm. and they don't realise that Hogarth has cut the, the failsafe wire mm. and he's just like, for every year you abandon me, stab yourself. Yeah, It's just so cold, so matter of fact, and, and they started doing it and I was like, shit. That was a surprising scene for me. Yeah. Um, but I think the big set... The big set pieces were handled really well. I loved the final confrontation between Luke Cage and Jessica Jones. 
that fight was building, and when it came, it was awesome. Yeah. Um, but the whole police station set piece. Oh the, yeah, when when she handed herself in. Yeah, yeah that was that yeah, whole set really piece was just well really done. really well done, and like that's a really good case study for GMs everywhere to pay attention to because when you're running a game, and your players do something really fucking stupid. That just reminded me of that scene. Yeah. How they got out of that scene. It was like, that's the that's a clever GM there. Yeah. Reacting to a stupid player. Um, but it was it was well done. And done without bloodshed, yeah. which was particularly impressive. Yeah. But that's the whole control thing, wasn't it? Yeah. You know. It's having the powers and using them. Yeah, and and I think there were some interesting things for me in in the scenes where Kilgrave is trying to get people to do things without mind controlling them, I thought they were really, really interesting scenes. Like, how do people do this? <laughs> when he's saying as well, in his, when he's breaking down and having his monologues, and he's saying how like she doesn't know how hard it is for him to have to choose his words so carefully because mm. anything he could say could be an instruction. Um, and you yeah, the, the go screw yourself. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Which is a Punisher. Yeah. Uh, no, not Punisher. Preacher. Punisher, preacher, yeah. You know, the voice of God. Tell him how to go fuck himself. <laughs> um, yeah. You, they did... Well, it's just... Uh, oh, train of thought again. I think it's just the way they've written their shows. And they've started to give much more depth to the villains... I think it's just yeah. I think off. I think because you've got these thirteen episodes, you've got time yeah. to do that. You don't have time to make villains sympathetic in a two-hour film. No, you don't. You just don't. I mean, the only one that vaguely managed it was Loki, and that was over the course of what three films? Yeah. So yeah, and only to... because of the power of Tumblr, <laughs> Tum- Tumblr, and, and the Tom Hiddleston fan base. <laughs> That's why he became a rounded villain. You know, let's be honest. Very true. Very true. So yeah, I, I I I honestly couldn't fault the series at all. No. I, I I will go back and I will rewatch it again fairly soon because I I thoroughly enjoyed it and I will enjoy it again. Yeah, yeah, no, I completely agree. It's a full ten out of ten. Yeah, for me, it was compelling, gripping, intelligent, um, and I just can't wait for more. Then. I can't wait for more. And, and the female leads carried it and carried it well. And let's not forget that you know Patsy Walker mm. Trish even she who initially appeared as a, a bit character is obviously walking down the path of superheroism herself yeah, yeah and well, with the, with the, the red at least vigilantism yeah and with that red wig come back in that's going to be Hellcat mm. as we expect um, so yeah but they, they all had arcs they all had agency in their own right mm. they were well written um and then, of course, I really, really enjoyed how they tied it into Daredevil in episode yeah, 13. with Mike Nurse. Bringing the nurse. I, that, that was just utterly inspired. Yeah, although I'm not going to lie, I couldn't actually watch the scene where she managed to administer the syringe to Luke Cage. Ah, uh, yes, through the eye. Yeah, I, I did actually have to minimise the screen at that yeah, point. Yeah, Emma, Emma had to turn away and go, yeah. tell me when it's over. <laughs> like, yeah. yeah, I'm not a fan of anything to do with eyes. <laughs> Well, it's in fact the only way you're going to get into Luke Cage's yeah. brain. <laughs> so yeah, that that was a bit of bit of a moment. But. So it was interesting, but yeah, I, I, I kind of, I, I guess my only regret is that they got rid of Luke Cage without really saying anything. He just got up and wandered off. I was kind of expecting him to turn back up again in the kind of final scenes, but he didn't. No, 
So I'm guessing they're just kind of obviously wanting to leave us wanting more for his series. Right, yeah. Plus, you never know, he might make a cameo in Daredevil uh, season two as well. Mm. So that could be interesting. Well, he's looking for a place to work now, isn't he? He's got no bar. Yeah. So, yeah, it should be fun. But yeah, again, Marvel just nailing it. Yeah, yeah. Ultimately. Absolutely nailing it. I liked as well that it's an, it was an ABC studio job as well. Was it? I yeah. didn't notice that. Because like on Netflix, when you're watching it, it just like goes to the next episode mm. pretty much straight away. But if you wait and finish out the credits, you get the Marvel stinger and then you get an ABC studio stinger as well. Right. Because okay. the writers were writing this originally for ABC. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, because it's, it's ABC that's screening Agent Shield, Shield yeah. isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. Mm. An excellent show. If you haven't binge watched it already, you should definitely go out and binge watch it. <laughs> and you shouldn't have listened to this last 20 oh. minutes of conversation. <laughs> yeah, probably not. Uh, <laughs> it's a bit late now, folks. <laughs> to be fair, we warned you with the intro that we were going to be talking about it. Yes. So. Cool. So, of course, I took a break from binge watching Jessica Jones over the weekend to catch up on <laughs> Doctor Who. Um, <laughs> I was, you know, the emotional, heart-hitting content of Jessica Jones had been taking its toll on me a little bit. So a little bit of light-hearted Saturday So I thought, you know, it's a little later in the evening. Um, I've come home from, you know, Thai food takeout and board games. I'm going to catch up on what I've missed on Doctor Who, because that will cheer me right up. (laughs) Fuck. (laughs) Even though I knew it was coming, it was just... The worst. I didn't know it was going to be this episode. Mm. And <clears throat> I don't think, in, in hindsight, I don't think the leak about her leaving spoiled it. No, I don't think so. Because um, when she. Uh, so, yeah, we're getting ahead of ourselves. So it's the Doctor Who episode, Face the Raven, where Clara makes the ultimate sacrifice. And the feels were real, folks. The feels were very, very real. I didn't realise how bad it would be. I kind of had an inkling that it would be, like, tough to watch. And the fact that they gave her, like, like 10 to 12 minutes of screen time when the realisation was in Mm. that it was going to happen. And, like, you're just hoping for the Doctor to find a way out of it. And I'm just screaming at at the screen... Put her in the stasis pod. Put her in the stasis pod. I mean, why? Why not just put her in the stasis pod, like, and then come back when, like, he can track down the quantum shades? I, I, I guess my my key thing is, is yeah, yes, it was, yeah, it was all very like, emotional and everything, but I kind of felt like they engineered it uh, into a corner to say, yes, there's nothing he can do. When there, there totally was. There were a thousand things that he could have done about it. Um, the whole fact that a shield couldn't do anything about it seemed ridiculously contrived. Well, that's it. The internal logic for that made sense when she was like, my deal, my bargain was with the quantum shade for your soul. Once you've switched it, that <clears throat> that contract's not in void. That kind of made sense. Um, so, yeah, I didn't think she could do anything, but the Doctor could have. And it was just so sad. Mm. It was so sad. But I guess I, I, I think I called it in the last episode that this was going to happen and then it was going to lead on to the next episode, which yeah. is the Doctor on his own. Yeah. But we've also got a habit on the show recently of either putting a show down only to have like the next episode amaze us mm. or bigger show up only to have the next episode amaze us. Now, like, on the last podcast, 
we gave Doctor Who immense amounts of praise for mm. being consistently good. Yeah. And then the next episode was that Sleep No More. Yeah, which which was I've, by far and away the weakest of the season. <laughs> well, I fell asleep during it. Yeah. And I haven't rewatched it since. I, I watched about the first ten minutes, fell asleep, watched the last minute, and then didn't go back it and watch it again. Wasn't worth it. Right. It was. It seemed far. to not actually finish. I can't even remember the details of the story. From it from what I from didn't what stick with I me. I gather he, it just seemed like the sand creatures or whatever they were won. Yeah, and like this, whether they call back to it, I don't know. They might do in the future, but yeah, he's the whole thing is essentially found footage, mm. and he's saying that actually that little quirk was was planned, mm. and that now you've all got this thing in your eye. Mm. But yeah, it just it was underwhelming. Mm. Okay, well, I probably yeah. won't go back and rewatch it. <laughs> but like, that was actually the episode after we'd been talking about how good this series Doctor Who had been. I was like, oh fuck. <laughs> but then face the Raven. Yeah, and, then face the Raven. That was really, it was awesome. I really, really enjoyed it. Yeah. Very, very well put together episode. Yeah, and then it was, it was tense, and it was emotional. Um, yeah, and I am very, very sad to see Clara go. I think they could have done with a couple less of the slow-mo shots from various angles. I think that went on a little bit too long for my liking. <laughs> it was just at least five or six takes of it put together there. But I was just like, yeah, okay, we, we, we get the idea now. You know, you could have just understated it a little. No, I was okay no, with it. No, all right, okay. Well, that's, that's just me being a grump then. <laughs> I was okay with it. I was... I had something in my eye at that point anyway. <laughs> it was very dusty in my room, I think. Right, okay. Very dusty, yeah, fair yeah. enough. <laughs> so. But yes, so that's it. Clara has gone. Uh, the Doctor has been teleported off somewhere and his TARDIS stranded. So yeah. the, qu- the big question is, who who has done it? Yeah. Well, there seemed to be a Dalek-type machine behind him in the um, next time. Mm. Uh but yeah. yeah. Well, a bit like, was it the Genesis arc? Yeah. It looked a bit like. Or is, is it all just been Missy? Is Missy it could well be Missy, because that's why he's, he's come along with the, the confession dial yeah. and stuff again. So are we going to get some payoff about what the confession dial is yeah. and what it's for? And well, Knowing Moffat, probably not. Probably not, no. Um, but yeah, I think this is when Missy comes back into it. Yeah, well, she she was definitely due to return towards the end of this season, so it just depends whether this next one because well, the next two episodes are clocking in at just about an hour, just over an hour each. I think. Really, I think it's fifty five minutes is the one next week, and then the the finale is sixty five minutes. Wow! So they're That's they've big. really upped the the time on these ones, which will be a good or a bad thing. We'll have to see. But then it's only two weeks until the Christmas special. Yep, with River Song. With River Song. It, it, it has been clarified at which point in her timeline we're meeting her as well. Uh, I haven't seen that. So which, which point? Uh, where it's directly after um, the uh, Angels Take Manhattan. So directly after she's just seen Rory and Amy leave Matt Smith's Doctor. Ah, uh, okay. And before she turns up in the name of the Doctor where she's dead. Oh, the whole timey-wimeyness is getting confusing now. Because she's... So she's gone from Matt Smith's Doctor, mm-hmm. met Capaldi's Doctor, and then she goes back to Matt Smith's Doctor. And, well, then she actually goes back to... to Tennant's Doctor. Tennant, yeah. Oh, fuck River Song. <laughs> <laughs> love the character, love the actress. Hate the fact that I have to think so much about <laughs> Doctor Who. <laughs> and work out which way is forward. 
Which yeah. way it's backwards. So that's that's the point where we're seeing it. And they, so this is the first time that she's seen Capaldi. Capaldi. It should be. It should be worth a laugh. It's a Christmas episode after all. Yes. Um, I th- I've got a feeling we're going to need some cheering up. I've got a feeling the Doctor's going to need cheering up after the series is finished. Yeah. 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 But I, 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 again, I liked the whole conversation that, that the Doctor had with Ashilda there. Because you know, he was just about to go utterly batshit. Yeah. yeah, 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 for sure. And then got reined in, which I think is I think was a very good use of Clara's last scene to basically temper him down a bit yeah. and say, don't you dare do that. Yeah. Not in my name. No revenge. Yeah. Be the doctor. Um, but then his last line to Ashilda is just, you wouldn't like me when I'm angry. <laughs> yeah. You'll find the universe is very small Ooh. when I'm annoyed with you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> that was a very nice a line. Lovely line. <laughs> oh, well. We'll see. I am sad to see her go. Uh, I, yeah, okay. I, I, I've, I've still never been enamoured with her, and they've never really explained her properly, in my opinion. There's so. still lots unanswered. The whole... Yeah. Um, the whole impossible fra- girl yeah. thing, fractured through time. Yeah. I, uh, that, that's still far too much of a kind of open wound for me that it needed dealing with and never did. Yeah, I just think... Yeah, you're right. I completely agree with that. But killing a companion, indeed, it's, killing uh, a companion's the first huge. time a companion has died on screen since poor old Adric in the eighties. Yeah. You know, it's a big, it's a big deal. So, and it was handled well. And I think Tony Lee was tweeted after the show. She, he tweeted to the writer of the episode, just saying, "With that episode, you've secured your slot at <laughs> Doctor Who conventions for life." Hell yes. You know. It was an awesome episode. Yeah, because that was her first ever yeah. episode of Doctor Who as well. She'd come from writing Neighbours. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, I think she's done an episode of You, Me and the Apocalypse mm. as well. But Which I still never watched. I have to watch I. that show. I haven't watched it yet. Um, cool. That'll do for Doctor Who. Don't want to get teary again. <laughs> still too raw, is it? Still uh... a little bit. A little bit raw. <laughs> cool. So... Cinema Times. Yes, yeah. Do tell. So, which films have you seen? I saw Steve Jobs. All right, okay. That's and Michael s- Fassbender, yeah. Yep. Yeah. And I saw Hunger Games, Mockingjay, Part 2. Okay, which one do you want to tackle first? Well, let's start with Steve Jobs. All right, cool. Steve Jobs was a very intelligently crafted film. And very well structured. It followed three key events in Jobs' life... Uh, Lifetime. Mm-hmm. So it was 84 and the launch of the Macintosh, yep. 88 and the launch of Next, mm-hmm. and then I think it was uh, into the 90s then and the launch of the iMac. The iPod. The iMac. Oh, the iMac. Yeah. Okay. And it's all about his changing relationship with uh, Wozniak, Wozniak. Appleboard, and his daughter mm-hmm. over, and well, the mother of his daughter mm-hmm. over the span of those years. And it is also entirely not the film I was expecting it to be. Okay. It wasn't this uh, pedestal-raising, eulogising tribute to the man. It was almost a deliberate deliberate deconstruction of the myth. Because Fassbender is a dick. (laughs) All the way through it. Okay. He plays Steve Jobs the bastard. 
like who doesn't give a shit about you know personal relationships mm-hmm. doesn't care about the people who have coded and actually designed these things as far as he's concerned he's the genius because he's seen what other people can do and he's worked out a way to package it and sell it mm. and people who get in his way just okay so it's gone down the kind of social network route yeah. and and the, the the rock star games yeah thing and i thought it was refreshing okay and it didn't put me off apple at all <laughs> well, yeah, I'm, I'm sure you'd be pleased to hear I've, I've now doubled my amount of Apple devices, and I got an iPad from work as well. So I've now awesome. got a, uh, I've now got me uh, Power Mac and my iPad. Yeah, I'm very pleased. <laughs> Have some more Apple Kit, dude. Join the cult. Um, <laughs> but yeah, no, it was a wonderful film. It was okay. well shot, well made, uh, well acted. Um, by the end of it, you almost be- Fassbender almost seems to believe that he is Jobs. By the end of it, you can see the sort of transformation as the film goes on Mm -hmm. i have no doubt that when it comes to oscar season and we're getting close oh we are now um i have no doubt that his name's going to be in the shakedown it might make the long list of nominees i'd be surprised if it made the short list Mm -hmm. it's a great performance but i would imagine there'll be better performances between now and february Mm -hmm. um if he does make the short list i would not pick him as a favorite to win it but it's an exceptional performance nonetheless. Mm. Um, well, at least it'll be a nod to the performance, yeah. you know. And it's definitely worth a watch. Okay. It's definitely worth a watch. I shall undoubtedly watch that when it comes on Sky. Yeah. Hunger Games, Mockingjay Part 2. So the end of the franchise. On the other hand. <laughs> oh, okay. Now, my interaction with this film has been noted over three years of podcasting. And I was a slow convert. I was initially put off by the Hunger Games because I thought of it as another one of these. We all thought of the Battle Royale. Y- yeah, another sort of YA Twilight Twilight esque sort of Battle Royale take. Mm-hmm. Um, and then we all know my reaction Brent once I crush saw of it. The week. You know, I think I'd, <laughs> Jennifer Lawrence had, had been on my radar from Sylvain's Playbook and uh, Winter's Bone. And so I was watching more... I was more prepared to watch it because she was in it. Mm-hmm. And I loved it. I absolutely loved the first film. I loved the second film. I even quite enjoyed Mockingjay Part 1. Mockingjay Part 2, however, just seemed to suffer from serious pacing issues. Right, okay. Um, I generally don't look at my phone in the movie. I look at it once because like, I always get a big drink when I'm at the cinema. Mm. And I don't want to miss any of the film going to the toilet so I'll always if I think it's getting towards the last 20 minutes half an hour of a film I'll just check my phone and if it, if I'm right I'll start drinking my drink if I have to check my phone like more than once the film's got a pacing problem yeah okay if I'm getting a little bit bored I'm thinking how long is this going on for I'll check my phone it's like shit so how long was the film? it was two and a bit hours two and a bit okay yeah I've sat through longer films but it just didn't seem to do anything for long periods of time. Okay. And then when it finally felt like it was building to a massive conclusion, you were then straight back into a lull that stretched out again for a while. Okay. The pacing was just off. There was too much hand-wringing. There was too much reluctant hero stuff. Um, there was a lot of talky stuff that could have been just condensed into the first part yeah. of this two-parter. And they could have done a lot more with just the assault on the capital. There is an exceptional scene in there. There's a scene where they encounter the mutts in the sewers beneath the 
the capital and it is for my money um, one of the most intense and genuinely terrifying uh, set pieces extended set pieces in a 12A movie okay since maybe Jurassic Park alright okay it was properly scary there was genuine peril and threat throughout it and it was really well done and that was the point where I was thinking yes here we go we're burning to the end because uh, it came I think on my Facebook I said it came a little too late and also a little too early mm-hmm. and it's because once that's done and dusted the film just goes back into this sort of meandering meandering stroll towards the end um, and there's a couple of twists and double turns that I wasn't expecting because I hadn't read the book they were set up so I was kind of thinking something suspect was going on with um, Julianne Moore's uh, President Coin. Mm-hmm. I wasn't expecting the end uh, which I guess is good I guess it, it tricked me and lulled me in but yeah I wasn't satisfied with the conclusion of it okay um, that's a shame after you know this amount of films yeah. you kind of want it to end on a satisfying note yeah I mean, I liked it. I just didn't love it. Hmm. I think it'd be one of those films I'd be hard-pressed to watch again. Okay. Like, I can pick up the first Hunger Games and just watch that. Yeah, well, that, that, that in film. itself feels like a self-contained yeah. film. So I can even do that with the second one, even though it's very deliberately leading on to the third. But yeah, Mocking J Part 1 and Part 2 could have been one shorter film. It would have had better pacing. Um, they could have even made a three-and-a-half-hour movie that wouldn't be beyond the realm of man to sit be, sit through. Yeah. Um, but I think it, I think it suffered from people trying to make the most out of it. Bring as much cash yeah. out of it as they can, yeah. Uh, the cast, again, are great. You can't take anything away from the casting, what they can with it. But yeah, the pacing was let it down. Okay. Um, good, you, but not was, great. Was Philip Seymour Hoffman still in this one? Yeah. So do you think maybe that had any kind of impact on it and them having to kind of rejig things around a bit if they hadn't quite finished recording his stuff or whatever? I don't know. I don't know what they'd have to jig mm. around. I've not read the books, but I don't know how much yeah, it differs from the know. books. Um, it was good, but not great. I liked it, didn't love it. Mm-hmm. Okay, well, yeah, that's, uh, I think it's a bit of a shame after, yeah. you know, when you've invested in... But in terms of the films, of film. in terms of the films, the films that we've seen this year and the ones that have, like really let us down, this didn't come close to being a Jurassic World type of letdown. Right, down, okay, you know? fair enough. Um, and I did get a free cinema ticket out of it because... It's like I paid for the 3D screening at The View mm-hmm. simply because there was a 2D and a 3D both at midnight. They both had four people in, but the 3D was in a bigger screen. So the empty seat to person ratio was in my favour. And that's why I went for the 3D. Uh, and like 20 minutes in, taking my glasses off and just looking at the screen, I was thinking, this is a 2D print. I'm sure it is. Because I can watch this without the glasses. Mm-hmm. I started thinking, have have they changed 3D films? Is it like literally just like specific moments that are 3D? So I waited until a couple of set pieces that I thought, well, this is definitely going to be 3D because there's explosions. Put the glasses on, and I'm like, no, no, this is definitely just a 2D print. So I went out and I found I found someone. This is like the midnight screen, so there's nobody around. I had to wait. <laughs> yeah, 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 if, I, if I heard someone, I just run after them. <laughs> I was like, can you just check the print in, in the screen? Because I'm fairly sure... It's in 2D. So he comes in, looks at it, and then he goes away again, comes back and says, well, all of the computers are saying it's 3D. I'm like, well, that's great, but it's clearly it's not. Clearly not. <laughs> um, he's like, well, well, we'll see what we can do for you. And I was like, to be honest with you, I don't really care. You know, 
I'm not a fuss 2D or 3D. I picked this because it's a bigger screen and it's quieter. I can perfectly happy to watch this in 2D. But if you just give me the quid that I paid for the glasses back, I'd be happy with that. Mm. In the end, they just gave me a free ticket. All right, like, oh, okay. That'll do. Well, there you go, then. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Do. They can use it on any film, so that's the second showing of Star Wars is getting that. There you go, yeah, yeah. Save that one up. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, <laughs> you know, when all said and done, like, it wasn't a bad night out. Yeah, fair play. But, yeah, the film, the film was disappointing. Okay. But not crushingly disappointing. Yeah, okay. Cool. So yeah, well, I guess you, you you briefly mentioned Star Wars there, and I think it's worth just kind of saying that I think both of us have decided to step back from yeah. all of the all of the hype, all of the TV spots, and everything now, and just wait to see the film because yeah. I think there are, there is just too much going on now. I think I've seen someone has recut all the trailers into what they think is the chronological order for the film and stuff now. It's like I just wouldn't want to watch that. Yeah, it would just it would give far too much away. I think I've I've seen two of the trailers and I think that that's where I'm leaving it. Yeah, and I've stopped. Watching, I don't watch the TV spots anymore. No, I no, I, ex, I, I haven't watched stuff. any of those. I've stopped watching those, and people keep posting this Mark Hamill interview, and I've just like steadfastly refused to mm. read it. I don't want to know like an Empire Strikes Back style secret is yeah. involved in this. Just don't want to know that. Um, only things I've been reading are takedowns of like bad press and bad articles mm. like someone got hold of a picture of a jigsaw on amazon of um oh shit is it riggs ray no ray is the girl kylo ren is uh her brother the stormtrooper oh god yeah um oh, i forgot his name now oh shit that's so bad. Anyway, the, he's on this uh, jigsaw, and the the advertising blue for it says Lando Calrissian's son, and okay. it's just like, oh god! And like, Sony sites have posted this as a spoiler. I think SFX posted this as a spoiler, and it's like, just go and look at the Amazon listing. Mm. Like, nothing on that says legit. Mm. There's nothing in there that makes me think that's actually true. Yeah. And there's no way they would put that on. Uh, a jigsaw. No. There's no, no way they'd give that sort of spoiler away like that. It's just like, the closer we get to the release dates, we're going to get more and more spoilers and just more and more fuckwits. Yeah. You know, thinking they're breaking news. Mm. It's the curse of new media with so much competition out there. Like, no one's interested in being right. Yeah, they're, just they're just interested in being first. Shouting the loudest and yeah. being the first to say it, yeah. So yeah, I'm just leaving the fucktards to the corner of the internet right Absolutely, now. Absolutely, mate. Yeah, and yeah. once I once I've watched the film, I'll start thinking what they yeah. say. Yeah, but, we, yeah, we've had three years building up to this yeah. point, so now now is the time for us to back off a little bit and then just watch the yeah. thing when it comes out. I mean, the only thing other than that, that jigsaw thing that I'm kind of I've read and opposed is this whole idea of a Star Wars film a year for like ever. Mm. I think that's just wrong. I think the reason these trilogies are so important for their generations is the time it's taken to get there. And if they start knocking a film out every single year, whether it's a a trilogy film or a legacy film or a standalone movie just set in the universe, they're going to water down the myth and appeal of Star Wars. Yeah. And they, they, they just shouldn't do that. They can't do that. Um, but that, I think, is probably a topic for another show. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Because, ironically, let's get straight on to another 
cinematic universe that's churning out two movies a year. <laughs> uh, and Marvel. Yes. Um, and the Civil War trailer, which yes. broke this morning. And which is very, very interesting. It is, isn't it? It's confusingly interesting. It seems to be... Well, it seems to be, from my impression of this, that this is more or less made up of first act footage. Mm. Um, I'm sure there's bits and bobs in there from later in the film, but most of it, I think, is the first act. And I suspect the first act is um, going after Bucky, Bucky being framed for something, uh, General Thaddeus Ross pushing through um, mutant registration. Not superhero registration, sorry, not (laughs) mutant registration. Um, Inhumans. (laughs) And, yeah, Cap and Tony fighting. Uh, and I say that because there's been no real sign of Crossbones so far. Mm. And if we're doing Civil War, Crossbones has been more prominent in these trailers because um, Crossbones ultimately offs the gap. Mm. Uh, whether they do it with him being controlled by Red Skull and the possessed uh, and influenced um, Agent Carter, we don't know. Uh, but Sharon Carter appears to be in the trailer for a very split second mm-hmm. um, with Martin Freeman's character, whoever he's playing. So, yeah, because there's no crossbones, because there's no uh, Civil War comic book crossover, that's why I'm thinking that this there's much more to this. Because mm-hmm. I don't believe that Bucky is the the trigger. No, I, I think that what they've been building up in Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. Yeah. is very much the trigger. Yeah, everything everything else in the MCU is pointing towards the Terrigen Bomb and yeah. Inhumans as the trigger for as Civil War. As the driving War. force for it, yeah. yeah. And it's why... Um, Gideon Malik has now been revealed as as a Hydra boss in Agents yeah. of Shield, and why they're pushing things that way. Yeah. So yeah, the trailer, and the way the trailer's showing Bucky doesn't make sense to no. me. No. So there's much more to it than that, and you only have to go back and watch old Marvel trailers to see how much they keep secret, because there was nothing at all in the Age of Ultron trailers that revealed the scale of Ultron's plan no. with Sokovia. Nothing. That was a complete surprise, and that was like the best part of 30, 40 minutes of the film. So. There's going to be stuff there that we've not seen yet. Um, I don't think we can read too much into the combats because, you know, Thor, Iron Man and the Cap have already had a knockdown, drag-out brawl in the first Avengers film. Um, Yeah. Yes, the the trailer finishing with the Cap, Bucky and Iron Man fighting does have a different tone about it. But until we know the context of that scene, we're not sure what's going on. Mm. And I think it's... I think it's okay to ask questions, but I don't think it's okay to make assumptions on what's going to happen in this movie based on the trailer. Mm. Anything I know for sure is that I want to fucking see. Oh, God, yeah. Because it looks <laughs> fucking awesome. Yeah. Um, is that a May release next year? May the 6th. Yeah. May the 6th, which I think is the US release date. Right. I think UK are getting it a couple of days early. Star Wars Day. Yeah. <laughs> I think I think it is the fourth for us. Um, that's been the history so far with Marvel, mm. as we've got it a couple of days earlier. Yes, which um, is cool. Yep. Interesting to see the sides that have been taken. It's interesting. Well, it's firstly it's interesting, but it's also great to see Black Panther mm. and his full costume. It's interesting that he's siding with Tony Stark. Um, I suspect that's for reasons other than uh, supporting registration. Mm-hmm. I, I suspect there's uh, issues with Wakanda and Bucky. Yeah. 
Um, but yeah, we'll see how it plays out in terms of the original Civil War storyline or the new Civil War storyline. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, the the fuse has been lit and the interest has been peaked. Mm, very much it's so. It's going to be a very, very good film. Yes, yes, looking forward to it immensely. We'll put the trailer in the show notes. You can yep. just fangasm over that to your heart's Absolutely. content. Uh, yeah. So upcoming cinema stuff uh, next week. The uh, Attack on Titan is being is having limited screenings around the UK. Okay. So I'm going to go and see a double bill of part one and two in Bristol next Tuesday. Awesome. Uh, so I'm going to go and see both parts of that that are out. It's it's only on in something like 15 cinemas I think around the country. Oh. So I'm I, I, I book tickets and I'm driving over to Bristol to watch it and have a double bill of it. Hopefully. So I will uh, I will report back from that because I've been massively looking forward to this coming out. Cool. I think I'm saving myself now for Star Wars. Fair enough. And then the Peanuts movie. Um, and Joy in the new... Oh, and Hateful Eight. Mm. Hateful Eight's going to be awesome. Um, but yeah, lots of films coming out. Uh, if you've finished binge-watching Jessica Jones on Netflix, uh, either go back and watch it again, or get yourself onto Amazon Prime, or any of the other sites that are out there to find TV shows... And get yourself watching uh, The Man in the High Castle. Yes, yeah, it's, we've got to start watching that. It's the other binge-worthy show that's out there. I'm sure and we'll Mr. Robot soon. is the other one I really want to watch as well. Uh, Mr. Robot is fantastic. Yeah, because we, we started watching is it Hand of God, the Ron Perlman yeah. one, and that's really good. Yeah, okay. Might give that a shot. Yeah, but yeah, uh, Mr. Robot's fantastic. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I really want to watch that, so we've got a couple lined up for binge-watching, but yep. we're going to have to try and fit them around Megan. Binge-watching Supernatural. Oh, 11 seasons. I've got to try and do as much binge-watching as I can in December because I start back my Masters next year. So. And then time will be short. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> got to fit Fallout 4 in there somewhere, somewhere oh, as well. Oh, God, yeah, yeah. So you're still going for the PS4 next yeah. week, are you? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Cyber Monday. Sweet. Get a deal on Monday. Cool. Mm. Well, that's about everything we've got for this show. I uh, just think if there's anything else... Um, Obviously, well, yeah, well, this weekend, if anybody's up in Leicester, it's Steampunks in Space at the National Space Centre on Saturday and Sunday. Uh, so if you're up there, we will see you about there. Uh, give a plug for my new Let's Plays that I've started putting out on YouTube. <laughs> Come on, watch me playing the Walking Dead game from the start, which is fun. Well, I certainly enjoyed it. <laughs> for the people do as well. Um, and then Festival of the Spoken Nerd, yep. we've got next week. We're going to see those guys in, in Digcot. Blowing stuff up and doing science. Yep. Um, I, th- I think that's pretty much it for kind of events for the rest of the year now. That's us, us winding down now. Yeah. Yeah, not long to go now until the Christmas break. And then just getting ready for next year, which already is starting to shape up to be quite intriguing. Yeah, yeah we've got some good guests lined up for next year. Yeah, and, and some more cons and a uh, load of other stuff. So, yeah. Stick with us next year. It's going to be an interesting one, I think. Yep. For sure. <laughs> Well, that's definitely it, right? That, that, I think that's, yeah, it. Yeah, that's yeah. it. I think, I think we're done now. Yeah, we're done now. Cool. Um, thank you all very much for listening. I've been Brendan. I've been Spindles. And until next time, take care and be excellent to each other.